بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وصلى الله على محمد وآله الطاهرين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله and welcome to this podcast series of a commentary on نهج البلاغة brought to you by Mizan Institute أنشأ الخلق إنشاء وابتدأه ابتداء بلا روية أجالها ولا تجربة استفادها ولا حركة أحدثها ولا همامة نفس اضطرب فيها In this part of the khutbah, we move on to the creation of the universe according to uh, Imam Ali in this khutbah. The first part of this khutbah, of course, had to do with the qualities of Allah, with Allah's essence and His traits and so on. Here we move on and although we can learn how great the essence of God is and how God's qualities are through His creation, one can say that this part of the khutbah now is beginning with another, another section, you can say. The first section having to do with God, this section having to do with God's creation. Now, before the Imam gets into the details of creation and how God created the universe and the and the world and all of that, because that will come later, here the Imam gives us a little lesson on how God creates all in all. He gives us a few general rules here of how God creates before he gets into those details. So he begins, he says, أَنْشَأَ الْخَلْقَ insha'a That... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He created creation. Now the English translations, they say, He initiated creation most initially. Okay, so that's what the translation says. All in all, Allah created creation. Now it's in, it's interesting here that it says, He initiated or created creation. The word creation is used here. Okay, so you can say that He is looking at creation in its entirety as if. I like to call it matter, okay? Before any particularities, before there's a giraffe, before there's an elephant, before there's a tree, before there's a stream, before there's a butterfly, mountain, etc. Before we can ha- we can point to anything in particular, just all in all, it seems that he is saying he created matter. He created all of creation and initiated all of it initial- most initially, okay? The reason why I'm stressing on this is hopefully we'll get to a point towards the end of this uh, episode um, that we need to discuss. Now here, he moves on from this idea of God creating or initiating creation. He moves on from that to four things that Allah does not have, that Allah lacks when it comes to creation. Okay, And these things that He lacks, it's not that this is something uh, is, is a flaw or a deficiency in him. As a matter of fact, the fact that it's, he lacks these when he creates is actually a quality of perfection of his. Okay, So what are these four that he does not experience, that he does not go through when he creates? The first one being Bila rawiyatin ajalaha, which basically means without any need uh, for any prior intellectual endeavor, it says here. Okay. So, number one, sometimes when we want to create something, let's say we want to bake a cake. Okay, what do we have to do first? We have to think about what ingredients we need. We have to think about how we're going to do it. What other tools are we going to need? The oven, preheating it, all of that stuff. There's a million things that come into the picture when we want to create something. And so we have to think over them. We have to have some form of intellectual endeavor. Is that the case with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? It says He lacks that. He lacks that he has to make any intellectual endeavor before he creates. Okay, 
So now some of us might say, well, sometimes I want to do something or I want to create something. It doesn't take too much intellectual endeavor for me either. Let's say I want to draw a straight line. I don't even think about it. I just draw the straight line. So sometimes I also lack that. Well, okay, that's good for you. But what's the second thing that Allah doesn't have that we sometimes might have? You want to draw a straight line. You might have to do it several times before it becomes perfectly straight. In other words, you have to gain experience and before you perfect a craft of yours. Is that the case with Allah? It says, وَلَا تَجْرِبَةٍ إِسْتَفَادَهَا Not only does He not lean on any intellectual endeavor, and you might say, well, sometimes I don't have to think about things either, but you might have to use experience to be able to perfect something before you can do it as second nature and get it right. All right. Some might argue, some might say, well, God might, we might look at the universe that we have right now, and that, let's say it's like as good as a universe can get that he created. But who knows, maybe he had to create a hundred universes before this, before he got it right, the way he got, the way he got it right. And the answer to that is this second uh, thing that Imam Ali mentions here. وَلَا تَجْرِبَةٍ إِسْتَفَادَهَا No, no experience went into this. So number one, he didn't have to think about it. Number two, and figure things out, so to speak. Number two, he didn't have to go through any experience either and to, in order to perfect uh, his craft, so to speak, as they say, and to get it right. No. So someone will say, well, sometimes I'll get it right from the first time I do, I do it. Okay, well, let's just say that there is a skill out there or something out there that you've created that you didn't have to think about, which is usually impossible, but let's just say that there is something out there you didn't have to think about. You didn't have to lean on and rely on experience for to get it right either. But when you want to get something done, don't you have to get up and move around a little bit? Don't your, uh, does, don't, doesn't your arm have to do something? Your muscles have to do something? Your eyes, mo movement, some movement has to happen from you and the energy that you are using for that to translate into something else being yielded. You can't, even if you don't have any intellectual endeavor, and you're not relying on experience and trial and error, still, if you want to get something done, you want to create something, you won't be able to create it by just sitting there, correct? Well, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is not the case. It says, وَلَا حَرَكَةٍ أَحْدَثَهَا Okay, like here, like this right here, finishes the job. Anyone who might, who might have thought there's something special, this is going to end it all for them that not only does he not have to think about it, not only does he have to go through trial and error and experience, he doesn't even have to move. Haraka means movement and motion. Ahdathaha means that he initiates again or creates. He doesn't have to create any motion. He doesn't have to do anything. He doesn't have to get up. No muscles moving, nothing. Okay, so three things he lacks. Number one, intellectual endeavor. Number two, experience number three even movement and motion on his part nothing at all and so what is this and not only that sometimes you want to create something you don't have enough confidence you're like maybe i'm going to get this part wrong let me let me go over this again let me redo this let me rethink this let me revisit that yes all of this so that you can get it right with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he is all confidence. He knows exactly what he's doing from day one, from second one. If if we want to bring time into the equation, of course. Um, he's beyond time. 
But if we're going to bring it into the equation, he does not second-guess himself at all. When we know the blueprints of something, when we have tried it before and we have experience, when we've done all of that, in the end, still we might have a little bit of lack of confidence. Let's say, for example, someone's been lecturing in front of 100 people all their life. All right, Every week they, they lecture in front of 100 people. All right, so they've got this down. But then all of a sudden, if you change that audience from 100 to 1,000, what happens? No, although this person has been doing this all their life, they're experts at it, still they will rehearse their lecture because something's changed here. A thousand people is not a hundred people. Lots of times you will have a little bit of that, you know, butterfly in, in your stomach effect. When you want to do something, you will have that nervousness. You will be a little bit less confident than usual if something changes. If you've baked cakes all your life, but now there's a big event coming up, and you want to bake a cake for that event, you will kind of be a little more worried and concerned that what, what if I do something wrong? Anyway, these are just examples. You might be able to think of better examples than this. All in all, it says he has the intellectual part down. He doesn't have to work about think about anything. He's got the experience part down, meaning he doesn't have to rely on experience. He doesn't have to even get up any motion and movement on his part, nothing to create. None of that is necessary. And not only that, 110% confidence and knowing what he's doing. And that's what this fourth one in this uh, in this part of the khutbah is saying. Now, there are some other opinions on what he's saying here. I'm trying to make it flow as much as possible. Some have said what I just said, and I personally feel that this one makes the most sense. That he won't have anything that will shake him, that will make him second guess. Now, when I look at the English translation here, it says, and without experiencing any aspiration of mind. I don't know if that gets the job done for us in understanding what this fourth item on this list is trying to say. But all in all, um, that is the ex explanation that I'm toward inclined, inclined towards. That nothing's going to shake him. Nothing's going to take away from his confidence. Nothing, nothing's going to make him second guess himself. Okay, having said all of that, Someone can ask this question now, like what kind of creation is this that doesn't take any intellectual endeavor, no experience, no um, uh, motion and movement and moving around and muscles moving and, and none of that. And 100% confidence, what kind of creation is this? No one creates like this. <laughs> no one in their right mind can create like this. So what? what why are we even calling this creation? Well, that's because that he is Allah. That's because all the other stuff we do, which is baking cakes or making tables out of wood or making homes and so on and so forth, all the creation that we do is not actual creation, philosophically speaking. We're just cutting and pasting things together. We're just mixing and sticking and gluing. and That's what we're doing. It's not real creation. We're chipping away. Yes, when we're making a table or a statue or whatever it is, these, we will call them creation, but philosophically speaking, this is a metaphorical creation. It's not real creation. Real creation will not have any of these things with it. Those four things that the Imam is mentioning in this part of the khutbah. And if you want to sum it all up in one line of the Qur'an, that will be summed up in the famous verse of Surah Yasin, verse 82, where it says, إِنَّمَا أَمْرُهُ إِذَا أَرَادَ شَيْئًا 
that verily the command of Allah is this, that when he wants something, when he wishes something to exist, all he does is he says, be and it is. Now let's explain this a little bit. What we have here in this verse, if we look at it at face value, all right, God is willing and wishing something, which probably implies intellectual endeavor. Yeah, he thought of it first, kind of weighed it out, and felt that it's something worth creation, and so he created it. But how does he create it? He says to it, be and it is. So he has to do something, as if say something, and that implies movement of lips when you want to say something. And so then it is afterwards. It is created afterwards. So someone might say, well, this verse is implying other than what Imam Ali is saying in this part of the khutbah where he says, none of these are happening. Well, arada implies that he had to have some form of intellectual endeavor. Yaqulalahu, when he says to it, be and it is, that also implies that, you know, there's some movement, something is happening. So how do these two, how are these two reconciled? The answer is, that we are misunderstanding this verse of إِنَّمَا أَمْرُهُ إِذَا أَرَادَ شَيْئًا أَنْ يَكُولَ لَهُ كُنْ فَيَكُونَ Yes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when He's speaking of Himself, He will have no other choice but to use words that we are familiar with, concepts that we are accustomed to when we're talking about each other, when we're talking about what's happening around us in the world. Or else if He's going to use certain terms that we don't even have of course, but if let's assume there were, if He's going to use terms that we can understand, Yes, to explain what he really is, we, we, we won't understand them actually. We'll think we're understanding them. And that is a problem, of course. That is the, that is the problem you're going to deal with when it comes to understanding God and how God does things. Because you're going to have to use words that you're accustomed to, and those will imply lots of restriction, lots of flaws and deficiency. But those won't hold with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here, in this verse, we don't want to misunderstand this verse. True, the words that are used are like arada, which means to wish something and will something, which probably implies that you weighed it out before, that you thought of it before, and there was some intellectual endeavor before. Or the fact that it says yaqulu. Yaqulu means says. Well, saying is an action. An action implies movement and motion, something happening. True that these imply that, but... It's for lack of better terms, brothers and sisters. And so this verse, the Mufassireen and commentators of the Qur'an, they will explain this verse as such. They will say, إِنَّمَا أَمْرُهُ إِذَا arada." Verily his command when he wishes something, not wishes something in the sense of, oh, he had to think about it before. No, he is the all-wise, the all-knowledgeable. And so he knows what is good and bad already. He doesn't have to think about it. Okay? And just because he knows it, that's enough for him to will it. And willing it equals that thing's creation. You see, when you will something, there's no motion or movement. And then you don't have to command that thing to be as if like say something and verbalize it. No, that's not what this verse is saying, the Mufassirin will tell us. They'll say that he's just willing it. The, the moment he wills it, that thing comes into existence. But if you want to put it in words this whole thing of creation, this whole process, you have no choice but to say, yeah, he when he wishes something, then he says be and it is. But he's not actually saying be and then that thing comes into existence. There is no verbalization here. I think it's pretty clear what's going on. It's just that he wishes it and it comes into existence. All right, so if you were to open this whole process up here in this verse, in amruhu idha arada shay'an, If you're going to open this up, 
and explain it to someone, the best way to explain it probably will be, or one of the best ways, or one of the things that at least you can get help from to explain it is this part of the khutbah of Nahjul um, Balagha, where the Imam is saying there are four things Allah does not have when He creates. He does not have any deliberation and intellectual endeavor, no experience, no, uh, uh, what was it? Let me look it up real quick. No motion and movement and no faltering, no second guessing and all of that. In other words, super confident. Well, that's how this verse is wording it for us. He is so confident in what he's doing. He says, be and it is finished. No thinking, no, oh, like, let's see if this is worth it, if this is not worth it. Oh my God, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm, maybe there's going to be a mistake. None of that, none of that at all. And this reminds me of the other verse that also has to do with this command of Allah when um, when, it ha when it comes to the creation of the world, this taqweeni command that where it says, وَمَا أَمْرُنَا إِلَّا وَاحِدَةٌ كَلَمْحٍ بِالْبَصَرِ That our command is but one. That's all it is. It's just one thing, boom, it happens. That's it. It's not like, oh, this or that, this option, that option. No, no, no. Everything is clear and set. It's one. It happens all of a sudden, meaning there's no time involved. Nothing. كَلَمْحٍ بِالْبَصَرِ Like the blinking of an eye. When the eye blinks, it's a moment. Something like that. So that's the best we can understand of how God creates. Anything more than that is going to be hard for us to grasp. There are no words to explain it. So when it comes to the creation of God versus us creating, it's going to be totally different. When we create, we have so many things we have to do before that. Plus, it's not even real creation, as I said. It's just gluing things together, sticking things together, mixing things up, chipping away, and so on. But when Allah creates, it's a whole different ballgame. Alright, so once the Imam has explained how God creates and how He lacks those four things when He creates because He's just so perfect and He is in no need of any help whatsoever of experience, of intellectual endeavor, etc., he now speaks of objects. Okay, so we said he created creation in its general sense, in its entirety. And I used the term all of matter. Okay, without getting into particularities. Now we want to get into particularities. We want to get into objects, things that God has created. Okay, whether it's giraffe, whether it's tree, whether it's river, whether it's human being, whether it's butterfly, whatever it is that Allah creates. Here, the Imam speaks about these things, but there is a specific wording that's used that I'm gonna I'm not gonna talk about now. We'll talk about it when we get to the end of this episode. As I said once in the beginning when we started as well. So let's get to the details of these lines, and then we'll make our way till the end. He says that he ahala ashya li That Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, He did ahala. Ihala means to put something off, to leave it for later, to leave it for its appropriate time. Okay? So, Ashya means objects and things. So, he put things off for their respective times. In other words, everything has a certain time that it's going to actually come into existence of objects, of things that are in this universe. Okay? These things that are going to come into existence whether it's the giraffe or elephant, whether it's the stream or the mountain, whatever it is, these things, they're different. They're not 
the same thing anymore. They're, they, they are going to be other than one another. Okay, so if we have a bunch of random things that have nothing to do with each other, there needs to be some harmony or else they cannot coexist. And so it says here that walama or la'ama, there are different versions, bayna mukhtalifatiha. The different things, the different objects and creatures of his, he put harmony between them. And so the fact that everything in this universe is here, yes, there will be clash. Harmony here doesn't mean there's no clash. There will be gravitational pull. Things will run into each other and, and, and so on. But harmony meaning, I would say here, my understanding is that the fact that there's harmony between things is that we'll see things that are sometimes seem antithetical to each other, opposite to each other. At the end of the day, they are happening uh, together and they're coexisting. So for example, heat and cold. Now, of course, something can't be cold and hot at the same time, right? But you will find something, be, it'll be hot sometimes, it'll be cold sometimes. Sometimes it's dark, sometimes there's light outside. Sometimes there's death, sometimes there's life, there's water, there's fire. All these things that usually are not... They're, seeing, they're seen as opposites of each other. You'll find them in this world, in one place or another, you'll find them. Whether it's the green tree versus the dry tree that you can make fire from, versus the green tree that you cannot make fire from, man versus plant versus animal versus all these things, I don't know, the different states of liquid, what is it, solid, liquid, gas, all of these different things, you'll find them in this world. Now, so what I want to say here is that when it says that God put harmony, between them, it doesn't necessarily mean that in one place at one time you'll find heat and cold at the same time. These are opposites, opposites, and the law of contradiction doesn't allow things that are contra contradictory to each other to be there at the same time in the same place with all the other conditions that are met. That's not possible, of course. Something can't be hot and not hot at the same time. So what is meant here by harmony doesn't necessarily mean that Imam Ali is saying is going against the law of contradiction. No. What he's saying is, what, what can be said that he's saying at least is that you'll find a lot of different things that are opposites of each other, but you'll find them here and there in this universe, in this world that we're in. And Allah gave the instinct of everything that has instinct to it. That is one way to understand uh, this line here now. So we can take instinct to mean one of two things. Instinct in the broader sense of the term or in the narrower sense of the term. In the narrower sense of the term, what will probably be meant here is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave instinct to those animals and mammals and whatever other animals there are, reptiles, whatever else. He gave them their instinct. What is meant by instinct here is, of course, that the fact that the animals know when they're born even what they're supposed to be doing. Okay, For example, a baby, a baby animal that's born knows that it's supposed to feed off of its mother, for example. Okay. It won't, or the fact that it can sense danger to an extent. Yeah, it's interesting how you'll see like a baby zebra that's just been born can understand when a lion is attacking that it's supposed to run. This is instinct. A bee knows how to make a hive. Did someone teach it in school? Of course not. So this, where is this coming from? This is something that Allah has put in it. According to the Quran, especially it says, that Allah inspired the bee. Uh, and the bee knows what it's supposed to do. Ants, they make their little ant uh, ant homes and, and whatever else. There, there's, there's tons of examples for this that we know in the animal kingdom. Okay, so 
It can either mean in the narrower sense of the term, the gariza, an instinct that was given to these animals and mammals and reptiles and whatnot. Or it can, gariza here can mean something in the broader sense of the term that will encompass anything out there that will grow and mature into what it's supposed to. In other words, anything that is benefiting from the taqwini guidance of God. Allah, the one who created, and after He created, He guided everything. Everything, whether it likes it or not, is going to mature into and grow into what it's supposed to grow into. So for example, a baby elephant is born as a baby elephant and will grow into a mature elephant. Whether it likes it or not, that's what it's going to be. The human being will mature into uh, a, a human being, a, a full-grown adult, and so on and so forth. The plant will grow to become the tree that it's supposed to become. All of these are a taqwini guidance by Allah. Taqwini meaning it has to do with their creation. Okay, so gharraza yes, can mean this, the broader sense of the term of instinct, but I personally don't know if gariza is used for such a usage of any taqwini guidance of God. So we can stick to meaning that Allah placed the instinct of anything that has instinct, Allah is the one who placed that instinct within them. And verses like also corroborate this understanding. Alright. And finally, there are some different opinions on what this means exactly. But all in all, uh, what I personally and very humbly am inclined towards is that what is meant here is that Allah gave the qualities and particularities of everything of these objects to them as well. So for example, if even numbers are divisible by two, if water has a cooling effect, if fire burns, if, I don't know, food makes you full, if all of these properties and qualities of all these things out there, um, if the sun gives off light, if the moon is like this, everything, everything, all of these qualities and particularities who gave them these? It says Allah gave them these. Okay, That is one of the opinions on, in this regard that, as I said, I'm more inclined towards. There are some other explanations here, which is not too important. Okay, So if Allah gave these qualities and particularities, we do have to remember that all of this is based on the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of this fine-tuning that Allah has done, that later on we can use as one of the signs of God, yes, it's all based on the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what did we have so far? What we had so far was, after uh, after the Imam t explains the four things that God does not do when He creates, then He got into the actual things and objects of creation, the creatures of God, and how Allah, number one, He has left all of them for their specific time. We have to understand, brothers and sisters, when Allah creates matter, the properties of matter will govern that which Allah has created. So some things will take time for them to form. We have to understand that and remember that. It's not a weakness on God's part. It's a weakness on, on the part of that which was created, which is, which is a material thing. So, He has left everything for their particular time to actually come into existence. He brought harmony. He gave instinct to whatever has instinct. And... All of the qualities and, per and particularities of things, Allah is the one who granted all of that. And it's all based on His wisdom. So those are four things as well. Alright. Aliman biha qabla 
even before he created them, he was he had knowledge of those things. Look, if we take time out of the equation, which Allah is beyond beyond time, of course, we take time out of it before he creates it. He has knowledge of it. Why? Because there is no time for him. So before he created it is a, is a wrong thing to say about Allah. So you have to put that in quotation marks. Before he created it, there is no before for Allah. So it's hard for us to understand once again and grasp because we are limited material beings. And so it's hard for us to say, wait, how does he have knowledge of it before he created it, but he, there is no before for him. So what's going on here? And there's a lot to say here philosophically we don't want to get into right now. Because this all implies that um, matter is actually pre-eternal and there's a lot to talk about there and it's something that philosophers have spoken of. It's interesting. There are some interesting discussions there, but it doesn't have anything to do with the khutbah that we're covering right now. So, Aliman biha qabla abtida'iha. He has knowledge of it before he has created it. Muhitan bi hududiha wa Allah is aware of the um, the boundaries of these things and where they all end, what their limits are. Okay, because anything that you can put your finger on in this world and identify or point to shows that it has limits and boundaries that set it apart from other things. That's why you can point to that thing. If there were no limits and boundaries, there wouldn't be different things. It would all just be one big, one, one big clump of matter. Yeah. But no, the fact that you can point to things and identify things shows that everything has its own definition and its own boundaries that sets it apart from other things. All right, well, if there are things out there that have these boundaries that set them apart from everything else, then having knowledge of that thing equals having knowledge of the boundaries of it, the definition of it, the limits of it as well. And it says here, Allah has a knowledge of all of that. His knowledge encompasses all of these as well. Now here in the translation it says, appreciating their properties and intricacies. Sometimes you have knowledge of what of this thing because you have knowledge of its limits and boundaries and what sets it apart from everything else. In other words, that which it does not have. So for example, I will know uh, that a giraffe is not an elephant because I see certain things that the elephant has, has that the giraffe does not have. Okay. In other words, I know wh what the limits and boundaries of a giraffe are. It lacks a tusk. It lasts, it lasts, uh, excuse me, it lacks trunk, a trunk. It lacks those big ears and so, and so on and so forth. So that's what sets it apart from the elephant. Sometimes I can tell it apart by what it does not have, which is a trunk or tusks or ears, big ears. Sometimes, no, I have knowledge of the essence of that thing itself, what a giraffe exactly is. Yeah. And so, and in other words, I appreciate the properties and intricacies and qualities of that thing. All right. So all in all, I mean, here the Imam, you can say he is what he's trying to get at is that Allah has knowledge of the in and outs of all these things. Now, however you want to translate this line here, what it is telling us is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the immaculate, all-encompassing knowledge of everything out there. Okay, so now that the Imam is done with the general rules of creation when it comes to God and what God does not do when he creates. Those four things he does not do, number one. Number two, when it comes to the objects themselves and creatures of his themselves, the four things that are taken into consideration and observed 
He also explained that they are left for their time and, and so on and so forth. Now, the Imam wants to go into the creation of the universe itself, the world itself, let's say space itself. And so the question begs to be asked, and this is the point I wanted to talk about that I that I referred to and alluded to a couple times throughout today's episode. And that is that when you want to create the universe and space and all of that, the Imam, he says, ثُمَّ أَنْشَأَ سُبْحَانَهُ ثُمَّ means then, after. Thereafter. So, it's as if the Imam said, okay, God created all of create, cre creation, then created the objects, then created space. The question that, wants to, that begs to be asked here is, wait a minute, how could God create the objects first and then create space and universe and the world in which these objects are supposed to be and it, it makes sense to first create the universe the world earth all of that and then create the objects why does it say first objects then he started creating the universe and we'll get to those details later inshallah right now we just want to answer this question and the answer to that question is very simple what did it say the imam didn't say that he created the objects. He said, Let's not forget that. He had in mind the objects and their qualities and all of that, but he didn't say he created them. He said he left them for their right time. He left them for their respective times. So in reality, if we're going to look at this, this part of the khutbah, the sequence goes like this. He created creation and let's say all of matter in its entirety. First he created that before the objects and everything. Just all in all matter itself. Then what he had in mind was, of course, very figuratively speaking here, when we say he had in mind, of course God doesn't have the, a mind, but he had in mind the objects and he figured out all of and once again figuratively speaking figured out all of the qualities and properties and instinct that he had to put into all of them and all of that he figured all of that out but he left it for the right time and then he created the heavens and the earth and the universe or whatever you want to call it and of course naturally what happens after all of this is created is that he actually will create these objects and things that he had figured out before. So once again, let me go through this sequence. It's important for us to understand or else this question will be there and we won't, we probably won't be able to answer it. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what did he do? First, it says, al khalqa insha'a. I'm very inclined, as I said, to say that this means matter and its and creation in its entirety. All right, when you create all of matter in its entirety, you won't have actual creatures and objects yet. Then after... He creates all of creation in its entirety, which is all of matter. Then, because all of this is for the purpose of mankind and other creatures, he will have in mind and figure out the creatures, the human being, the qualities and their properties. But he will leave them for the right time. After that, he will get to work again, so to speak, figuratively speaking. He will get to work, create the heavens and earth, the universe, and space that will, will will contain the creatures that he wants to create. And then after all of this is done, 
then he will actually put his sleeves up, so to speak, once again, very figuratively speaking here, and create mankind, create the other creatures that he wants to create. Okay, so this is the end of this section of the khutbah, which was the part that had to do with creation in general, and the creation of creatures and objects and all of that. Now we want to move on into the next section that, it, that has to do with uh, the creation of the heavens and earth and, and the universe. Inshallah in our next session. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.